a little bit, and, and so, um, but that just became a good joke in some ways to lead into some, some time of encouragement, and so I'm excited to see what God does with that, so thank you for your prayers, and a lot of your praying, keep praying, and, and we'll see what God does as, as he moves forward, um, or I move forward with this, still trying to learn on the job training, and, and trying to figure some things out as we go um, with that, but um, I know there's been a lot of vacations. I know a lot of people are on vacation this week, so keep praying for people as, as they're out um, doing the one last hoorah. We have a lot of anniversaries at the end of July coming into the 1st of August, so I guess a lot of people are, are gone um, on their vacation anniversary one last um, time to get away before the summer kind of comes to an end. We, we actually were out of town this week a little bit um, out in the western part of North Carolina, the, the tip out towards Cherokee and Bryson City and then Asheville. And so it was good to get away. And so I just want to say to all the couples, if you're married, you need to get away at least one time a year. Don't let the kids, don't let money, don't let any of that stuff become an excuse. Get away and disconnect. Um, it was funny because where we were, there was really no cell coverage. And then the Wi-Fi went down three or four hours after we were there. It's like, okay, Lord, you're just asking us to do nothing. And, and this is worship. And so we just threw our cell phones over in the corner. And, and I actually had to drive around one night trying to find <laughs> locate, or cover so we could connect and call the kids real quick and make sure they were okay. But uh, that was fun. But it's good to disconnect. And if you're not married, I would say the same thing. Take a personal retreat. Take a personal retreat and get away. Break up the routine sometimes and just find you a solitude place. And in fact, that's really what I want to share about this morning is just really reconnecting, not necessarily reconnecting, but just connecting with Jesus. Particularly as we close out the summer and we come into the fall, you know, typically there's, there's kind of, at least in my mind, there's, there's two different modes of how we operate throughout the year. We operate kind of with the school schedule, August, middle of August, um, whether we're teaching or we're not teaching or, or, or whatever, we have something that goes along with that schedule. If you're in the marketplace and you don't have kids or whatever, you're still affected by people's vacations that take place in the summer. So most of the time from August through sometime towards the end of May, we're in this certain routine. And we talk a lot about the routine and making sure that we don't that we don't get complacent in our routines and our relationship with Jesus gets stale, that our, our time in the Word, our time in prayer, serving, giving, all those things doesn't become stale, that it stays fresh, that there's a fire and a passion that continues to take place. But then when you come into summertime, there's, for me, there's a lot of, uh, you know, kind of go and stop, go and stop. You may go on vacation for a day or two or for a week, or you may have family that comes and visits, or the kids may be away for a little while, or you may have extra kids in your home. There's all these things that kind of begin to break up a normal routine, and sometimes it can be hard to connect with Jesus, especially you're on vacation. You're like, man, I'm at the beach or I'm in the mountains. I'm making the most of this. And the things that we begin to slack in is our time spent with the Lord. I'm not saying we don't spend time, but, but it, maybe we tone it down just a little bit because we're on vacation, right? Or you go to a family reunion and it just kind of breaks up the normal routine that is there. And so my encouragement to us as we finish out the summer and as we prepare for the fall and, and all that comes forth with that is that we would make a concerted effort to to be reminded, I guess, to connect with Jesus, not just at a, at a certain level, but even at a deeper level than what we've been connecting at already. And so the last few weeks, I've been reading through the Gospel of Luke, and you know, I love the Gospel of Luke, one of my favorite books. And 
I was just reminded as I was reading through chapter 4, there, there are three verses, really one verse, but I'm going to look at three here, that's really wedged between a number of, of just amazing things taking place in Luke chapter 4 and really into Luke chapter 5 and, and following through the rest of the book. But what's happening as we get into Luke 4, I'm just going to give you a little background before we get to verse 42, 43, and 44, is verse 1 of chapter 4 we learn that Jesus goes into the desert to fast for 40 days and 40 nights. And at the end of that, the devil comes and begins to tempt him. And there's the three accounts of temptation. And Jesus passes those tests, all three of them with flying colors. He is now a licensed, ordained minister. He's passed his board. He's, he's done whatever you want to say. And he begins to go out in verse 14 of chapter 4. It says, Then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity. And he was teaching in their synagogues and being acclaimed by everyone. I mean, wow, great things taking place. Jesus is doing some great ministry. And we know that we're ministers of reconciliation. Brandon talked about that some last week. Just the, the call that we're to be ministers of reconciliation. It's not just those that are in vocational um, ministry. It's for everyone who calls himself a believer, a follower of Christ, that we're to go and make disciples. So Jesus is doing this ministry, and, and we can certainly follow the example, but, but here's the great thing. He's being acclaimed by everyone, not for his own personal buildup, but for the glory of God, that, that people are beginning to hear the message of, of eternal life and hope and, and all that Jesus, the gospel message. And then he goes to Nazareth, and, and we're probably familiar with, with what happens in Nazareth, his hometown. But he gets up in the temple, in the synagogue on that day, actually, and, and he rolls, he pulls out the, the, the Isaiah scroll, and it's chapter, what we know is chapter 61. And what Luke puts here in, in uh, 4.18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, he's quoting Isaiah, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set, the free, to set free the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus said, today, you know, that's fulfilled. He's really saying, this is my purpose. I've come to do these things, to preach the good news. The, the, God's anointing is upon me to set captives free, spiritually free um, from sin and death and so forth. To pray and that the, the blind will recover their sight and the lame will walk and so forth. Now, this is Jesus in his hometown, and they're like, isn't this Jesus? Isn't this Jesus, the guy, Joseph's son and Mary's son? Remember, we saw him do this, this, and this. No, no, I just can't. And so they, they take him out to throw him off the cliff, but God intervenes, and he walks right through him. But, but from there, he goes forward into Galilee, into other places of Galilee, and then towards the end of chapter 4, or verse 31, he drives out a, a, a demonic spirit, and then he goes to Simon Peter's home mother-in-law's home, basically, and he heals her of a fever. And then there's a house church time of healing and deliverance that begins to take place. People are just coming to be healed and to be delivered. And it's a great ministry moment. And, and if you think about it, just in this chapter so far, Jesus has done a lot of ministry. And, and for a lot of people, that's the extent of their ministry for the whole lifetime. And he's just done it probably in a, in a few days. Now, momentum, if you, if you begin to think about momentum, momentum's beginning to build in Jesus' ministry here. And if, if you follow sports, um, well, if you follow anything, but we'll, we'll go with the sports example first. Momentum, the team that has momentum is usually the team that's going to win. 
You can feel momentum switch if you're watching football or basketball or something, and that team begins to probably do much better once they have momentum. In business, momentum is the key a lot of times to driving sales and bottom line profit. And, and I read a lot of stuff about church growth, and momentum is vital for church growth and all that. Jesus is doing some pretty amazing stuff here. Momentum is on his side. And, and what everything tells us to do when momentum is on our side is to keep going hard. Continue to go hard with it. For me, if, if, if I was waking up the next morning after these things had taken place, I would say, look, let's get us a tent. Let's, let's, let's start at five in the morning preaching the gospel. Let's, let's do healing crusades. Let's do this, this, and this because there's momentum. The people are hungry. But Jesus does something very different. Verse 42, when it was day, and this is just after he had spent this time at Simon Peter's mother-in-law's home, healing. He went out and made his way to a deserted place. But the crowds were searching for him. They came to him and tried to keep him from leaving. Verse 43, but he said to them, I must proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because I was sent for this purpose. And then verse 44, he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. But verse 42 really caught my attention. And I want to pull out five things really throughout these, these three verses, but particularly verse 42. When it was day, he went out to a deserted place, to a place of solitude, to connect with the Father. And I think that's key for us in everything that we do is that we must continue to connect with the Father. We know this. And this morning, this is just a reminder in so many ways. It reminds me of what John writes in, in chapter 15 of his gospel, talking about the true vine and that we must be connected to the true vine. And those that aren't will not bear fruit. We have to be connected to the true vine. We know this. But in some of this is that we break the normal routine, that we just get up or, or whatever, whatever your, your, your rhythm is, and, and we're in the Word, and we've done it, check. We've prayed, check. We've given. We've worshiped, check, check, check. Or because of the routine's been broken up this summer, we'll say, we'll get to it tomorrow. But that we connect, that we're eating and drinking, that we're hungering and thirsting for more and more of God. He went out. Five, five things I just really want to pull out. Number one is he went out. It speaks of action. It speaks of importance and a priority in the life of Jesus. Again, me, if, if, if I'm living kind of as, as a man in, in this sense, then I'm thinking, man, we've got some good church growth going on. We've got new people. We've got this, this, and this. Let's continue. But Jesus said, no, let's withdraw. Let me withdraw and get before the Father. That goes against conventional wisdom. Talks about this idea of action, that we take the initiative to do this. You know, you've heard of walking with Jesus. It talks about action. Some other words I wrote down that really describe our relationship is wrestle. You know, talks about this, this idea that we find in, in Genesis with, with Jacob wrestling with God or dancing before the Lord like David did. Speaks of action or, or worship or love or serve or giving. These all speak of an action. So Jesus was intentional to make time to connect with the Father. And in the same way, we have to be intentional to do that as well. It may be getting up just a little bit early. It may be staying up a little bit later. It may be cutting the TV off. It may be doing whatever needs to be done. And we'll get to that in a few moments. Number two, what this verse tells us is that he made his way to a deserted place. And you always talked about having a quiet time, and, and I understand the concept of a quiet time, but my times with the Lord are not always quiet. 
You know, I'm, I'm praying out loud. I've got worship music going. It, it just depends. It's not always, let me just be real quiet. But, it, but it, it shows this idea that there's no other things around that are going to draw your attention away, whether it be kids or whether it be the to-do list or whether it be something else. It's the idea that we find a deserted place, a place of solitude to where we can focus in, we can look directly into the, the eyes and the hearts of God. Let me minister that way. Jesus did this regularly. Luke 5 shows us verses 15 and 16. It says, but the news about him spread even more and large crowds would gather together to hear him and, and to be healed of their sickness. Yet he often withdrew to deserted places and prayed. He knew his strength did not come from his own self, but from connecting to God the Father. And we have to realize that more and more and more. We know that, I believe, right here so much. And I believe we know it here, probably to a lesser degree. And my encouragement is that we would know it here to a greater degree, to a stronger degree. Later on in, in, in Luke chapter 9, the transfiguration. I think it's Luke chapter 9. Yes. It says about eight days after these words, and it's the, the words where he says, if you're going to follow me, you'll take up your cross daily, you'll deny yourself. He, it says he took Peter, John, and James, and he went up to the mountain to pray. Again, we're seeing this pattern of not just Jesus, but also he's beginning to teach the disciples the importance of getting away, getting to a place of solitude where we can pray and we can worship and we can listen to the Word of God. We can hear God speak to us and we can lay our heart bare before Him. But as we go forward in, in this verse in, in um, chapter 4, it says, but the crowds were searching for him. You know, the crowds are always going to come and try to, to try to vie for our time and our attention. Time is always going to come and try to get into our schedule, or our schedule itself is going to always try to come. And some of these things are not bad things. They're good, but they may not be the best. They may not be what we need in the moment. They may not be number one priority. Connecting should be. And whatever those crowds are, then we need to kind of push them out for, for a little while so we can connect with Jesus. But I was thinking about this in some ways, or I was thinking about this this week, and in some ways I believe it's, it's uncomfortable to come into the presence of God at times. It's uncomfortable because he may ask us to do something that we don't want to do, like step out of the boat. He may ask us or reveal to us something that needs to be healed within our heart or that we need to go make amends with someone. He may ask us to do something that's hard. And it's just easier to, to come quickly, maybe in prayer or short devotion, and get out before the fire comes or before the rebuke or the correction. It may not be a rebuke or correction. Or, or before that comes that he's asking us to do, the thing that we need to be obedient in doing. Four, Jesus says, I must proclaim the good news. The reason we connect is really for this purpose, is that we may proclaim the good news. We can certainly do it in our own strength. We can certainly do it in our own ways. We can be led by what we think through our senses is the best thing. But we've got to be led by the Spirit of God. We've got to be led by Him. And it comes from connecting. When we connect, it just oozes out of us in so many ways. It just oozes out the fruits of the Spirit, which I think was mentioned this morning, or the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It just begins to ooze out of us. And in word and in deed, the gospels proclaim through our lives. We've talked about this, the tension of grace and truth. That we, we, we obviously showed grace to people, but there's a truth that comes, and it's not always by our words, but many times it is. 
I was having breakfast a couple of weeks ago with um, a couple pastors in, in this office park. Uh, actually, the church right behind us, the Vineyard Church, Todd, and, and on the other side of the park in the New Millennium Church, uh, Pastor Wayne. And Todd was telling me, because their church is very similar to, to us in a lot of ways, but, it, but he was telling us about a, a statistic or a research he had done on millennials or he'd read concerning millennials. And in most generations, you have younger generations who... They grow up in the church, but then they go to college or they get their job or whatever, and there's this time of sowing some wild seeds, walking away from the Lord in some, some form or fashion, that whole prodigal idea. But then there's a moment when they, they usually get married, have a child, and begin to settle into a job. They begin to walk back into the church. But he said right now that's not happening for young professionals, 22 to 34 in particular. And I asked him, I said, why, did, why is that? What did the study say? And he said, it's because most of these people who, who, were, who were in this study grew up in the church, but they never saw faith lived out. They never saw it lived out in the church. They never really saw it lived out in their home. It was just something that was spoken about. We are to do this, but then in the church they didn't see it. Or at home they didn't necessarily see it. And in fact, most of the children weren't even involved in the church. You had the youth group over to the side or the kids were put over into a room or something. And I know we, we have kids' quests we put in the back, but we do try to incorporate our kids so much into our church. Even Irie this morning, I asked her, I said, you want to preach? She said, sure, I'm ready to preach. I said, what are you going to preach? She said, I don't know. I mean, that's spirit-led right there, you know? <laughs> But, you know, that just struck me in so many ways that, that how do we live out the Word of God? It's by being connected to Him. Because that's where we get our strength. That's where we get the anointing, the power. That's where we read that we are to, to you know, be gentle or be patient, to have those fruits of the Spirit, that we, we, we're to consider others better than ourselves, that we, that we begin to read different parts of the Word and it begins to sharpen us. It begins to chip things away that are rough and, and not so smooth. It begins to transform us more and more into the image of God. And it begins to ooze out of us. The thing about this study that, that caught me is we have to live out our faith and not just be people of the word. We can't just go and, and say, okay, God, here I am, I've connected, and, and then we go and do something else. If, if I preach on love, and then at home I'm preaching a different message, my kids are going to see that, and they're going to say, you know, Dad, I don't know if I want to follow this Jesus you follow, because it doesn't seem to add up. There's a, there's a story in that, too, of how we live in our homes, and the way that we live in our places of work, and so forth. But the purpose of this, that Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news. He was connecting to the Father. He was already proclaiming the good news. But he said, I must go to the Father and con continue to connect. And it leads into the, really the, the last thing I want to pull out, that he said, I was sent for this purpose. Sent for proclaiming. And, and I believe we have a purpose as well, and our purpose is to glorify God. Our purpose is to love God with all of our heart, mind, strength, and soul. And that doesn't just happen by osmosis. That doesn't just happen because we show up in a room or a place. It, it, it happens when we choose to connect with Him. When we come into the Word or we come into the presence of God in prayer and worship or whatever, that we begin to have our hearts changed. But also, it begins to change our hearts in the way we begin to love others. The second part of, of what Jesus said were the two greatest commandments, that we're to love other people. That's what Jesus was sent for, to connect to the Father 
so he could live out his purpose. And for us, we have to connect to the Father. We have to connect to the God ahead to be strengthened. You know, we live in a world where we're told, do it in your own strength, do it in your own way, do it now. It's, it's not always easy to come into the presence of God because it can be uncomfortable. But it should be uncomfortable because it's God. And he's wanting to transform us. And what he's telling us is, is, is out of love. What he's, what he's asking us to do is motivated by love. The New International Commentary in the New Testament, the, um, the volume on Luke, the writer says this. He says, Luke speaks of Jesus' regular habit of withdrawing for prayer during which he would be strengthened for divine service. That Luke, or not Luke, that Jesus would withdraw for regular times of prayer so he would be strengthened for divine service. Divine service sometimes sounds like, ooh, it's all ministry. Well, our life is all ministry if we think about it. That when we leave this building and we go back to wherever, into our homes or into our workplace or into our neighborhoods, we're commissioned for divine service. Peter says to be ready to give a, a, a reason for the hope we have in season and out of season. We're commissioned for divine service. And like any athlete, Olympic athlete, they're not going to show up at the finish or the starting line, 30 pounds overweight, eating a couple hot dogs, and say, I'm going to win this race. They're, they've prepared. They've been strengthened. And in the same way, we must go before the Lord. And so my reminder this morning, very simple message I know, is that we would connect with the Lord if you're already connecting, to connect even deeper. To have that prayer before the Lord, how else do you want me to connect with you? What, what things are maybe drawing me away at times? What, what places do I need to get to, to to have those places of solitude? Honestly, it's hard for me to have my quiet time at home. Usually like this morning, I'm up early before everyone, anyone's out of bed because I know once someone gets out of bed, it's going to be hard to focus. Most of the time I'm here. So we have to find those places. But the important thing is that we are being strengthened for divine service. That you are being strengthened for divine service because tomorrow or even today someone may ask you a question. What's the hope that you have? Because when I look at your life, you should be freaking out right now, but you seem calm and peaceful. Why? You seem to be carrying some stuff, but yet there's not a bitterness that's there. There's something else. Why? And if you can't give that, then we really failed the Great Commission. So Jesus, I pray this morning that we will continue to connect with you. Lord, remind us of the importance of connecting. It's not always the easiest of things. It's not always the thing that, that, that has to get done today. But Lord, it is the most important thing. Lord, change our minds and change our hearts to know that you yourself, Jesus, took time to get into a deserted place, a place of solitude, a place of quietness, to be in the Father's presence. Lord, give us a hunger and thirst to do likewise. Lord, as we come to the end of a season, the summer season, and begin to create newer rhythms, Lord. Help this be 
the most important rhythm that we, that we create, Lord. Lord, let us not do other things and, and, and without connecting to you, Lord. Let us not operate in our own strength, especially if we minister to those around us. Jesus, thank you for the miracles you did. Thank you for going to the cross for us. Thank you for the example that you gave in so many aspects of your life. Teach us to follow you in every way. Thank you for the examples. Thank you for this example. Lord, help us not to pass over something as subtle as this. Lord, I pray a blessing over each person in this room. Lord, may you bless them. Fill them, Lord, fully and completely to overflowing. Lord, I bless relationships this morning. Our relationship with you may be blessed. Lord, our relationship with others, may they be blessed. Lord, I pray a blessing over families this morning. Pray a blessing over our children this morning. Bless them, Lord. Open their hearts to know you in greater ways. Lord, I pray a blessing over this city, over the triad region, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you used a small group of men and women, 120 in the, in the room when the Spirit fell who changed the world. Lord, thank you that you're using us. I pray a blessing over those that are going back into the classrooms, those that will go back into the marketplace, that have not necessarily left, but just because of the weekend, Lord, that will go back, those of us that will go back into our neighborhoods, a blessing. May our light shine. May it shine bright. Draw people to us, Lord. Give us the words, Holy Spirit, to minister to them. Give us just a smile. It's just a blessing itself. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. And Lord, our worship is not over. As, as we dismiss, may we continue to worship you. May we just continue to worship you, Lord. May a song be upon our hearts. May your word be upon our hearts. May a worship just flow out of us the rest of the day and into this next week, Lord. Lord, we want to glorify your name, so help us to glorify your name. And Lord, we know there's things in our lives that are not perfect. There's sin. We don't discount it, Lord. But we know it's forgiven. Lord, if there's things that are there that are not pleasing to you, reveal them to us. And help us to, to confess them to you. Thank you for the power of restoration. Refresh our hearts now, Lord. Jesus, we love you. We love you, Jesus. And we worship you. And we pray in Jesus' name this morning.